1: Welcome to another edition of Nice Recast on roto Radio, brought to you by the Blue Wire Network. This evening, I am joined by the one and only Dan Senyo. Dan, I, before before we get into the show, I will say, you know, you and I kind of talked post-show last week that, you know, we were in a rhythm. And, you know, when it's just you and me, we're really talking shop, talking, talking pigskin, as the kids say. And so I, I took that to mean that you wanted to have a guest. I reached out to 3 guests and all of them either didn't reply to me or said <laughs> they weren't inv- aren't available. So, um, you know, for well. those that were have screamed guests, which is exactly zero of you. I tried to get a guest for tonight and it did not work. So,
2: <laughs> I'll it's try good. But- I I think we're I think we're better just uh you know, you're you're the bread, I'm the butter, you know, peanut butter and jelly spaghetti and tuna fish you know the like the old saying goes i I think we just start perfect we're match made in heaven there we
1: go there isn't you know we don't need anyone else in our lovely sandwich uh let's talk about some some players that teams will be adding to their own sandwich um and that's the, the rookies the rookies are the toppings and the condiments of your sandwich for the 2022 season. Um, They have arrived in Indy or will be arriving in Indy shortly for probably one of the last seasons. I feel like they're trying to get it out of Indy for whatever reason, Um, but not really a dynasty topic. So we're talking about QBs, running backs, wide receivers, maybe a tight end or two, unless we decide that we need to leave. Um, So probably QBAC, 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 RBAC, and W. R- r- wide receiver. W- <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> I can't talk right now. So um, we we kind of talked about the quarterbacks a little bit last week in terms of, you know, the Bucks and the Saints and, you know, some of those mid uh, the Washington football team, you know, we were talking about potential landing spots for these big trades at quarterback or, you know, possible free agent wires and uh, free agent quarterbacks and James Winston. So let's talk some quarterbacks. Um, I'm going to start us off with, Malik Willis. Malik Willis is the Jalen Hurts of this draft. Malik Willis is the Trey Lance of this draft. Malik Willis is the guy that, you know, many think that is like the, you know, the 2022, the modern quarterback of this group, the guy who can move with his legs, but also was statistically one of the worst passers in college football in 2021. So what, how do you take Malik Willis as a prospect do you think that you know we're kind of overlooking some of his deficiencies as a passer to vault him to that first round status or is he kind of just like you know the prettiest girl at the ugly prom
2: I mean there's there's a non-zero chance he's just the pretty girl uh, you know at prom but uh, you know I do think I think Malik's kind of a, a peaks and valleys guy and, and the peaks are pretty significant, but the valleys are are also quite significant. Like you mentioned, he was, he was not great. And that um, I, I think that took a lot of momentum out of his sales and, and away from his draft stock. You know, it, we could be looking at Josh Dobbs. We could be looking at Deshaun Watson. Uh, there's, there's really an opportunity for him if he gets in the right spot, and, you know, obviously playing at Liberty, you're not really, that's not a, that's not a great spot for uh, a quarterback outside of just physical playing time. Obviously, he, I'm pretty sure he started like 40 games or something like that in a college career, which uh, is pretty strong. We don't really see that all that much anymore, uh, that's more of a, a mid-2000s and, and prior to that. I suppose guys like Lamar Jackson and Deshaun probably started similar numbers of, of games, but uh, yeah, I, I think... I think he'll be a a kind of a mid or late first round type guy. I don't really think anyone's going to be taking quarterbacks super early in this draft. Um, There's a lot of depth everywhere else and and quarterbacks more of a, take a chance at a guy and, and try to develop him. But I do think Malik Willis can bring a dynamic play style like a Trey Lance can. And we've got more tape on Malik Willis than we do on Trey Lance. And to be honest with you prior to 2021, I think, malik willis showed more promise than trey lance did in his one year of tape to be fair uh but this year like you mentioned was was not great but level of competition and uh you know he, he should have been dominating playing at liberty obviously liberty's not getting five-star recruits either so um there's a it's a tough one it's a tough one to project i think the, the people that like to you know swing for home runs rather than just play for singles and doubles are are probably going to make a shot at Malik Willis. And uh, he could end up being a massive value in, in super flex 2QB leagues. But I, I think this one's one of the higher risk players of all of them.
1: Yeah, and just looking at his advanced statistics, AYA is basically my my, my holy grail for college quarterback statistics. But there is, to an extent, you have to you know, adjust for competition and also adjust for timeline. So a nine AYA in 2003 would have been an elite AYA regardless of the competition. Now in 2022, a nine AYA at Liberty is not as impressive as it would have been years ago. And that was his breakout season in 2020 Had a nine AYA. It dipped to an 8.28 AYA in uh, 2021, where you know we saw that dip in play. Um, now looking at the uh, box score scout with uh, Rotoviz, make sure you go pre- use promo code RV Radio 2022 to get your box score scout. Um, we're going to be heavy box score scout over the next you know two months essentially. But a lot of the the comps aren't great. Um, Chandler Harnish, Justin McMillan, Freddie Knight, and Zach Thomas. The one favorable one for Tyrod Taylor. This is with him being listed at 6'1", 216 pounds would be Tarod Taylor with a 95 similarity score. So, you know, I think that's a solid comp, but if you're investing, you know, a top 15 draft pick in the NFL or a top six super flex pick, I don't think that the Tarod Taylor career is what you're looking for.
2: Yeah. Well, to be fair to Tarod Taylor, he never really got the fairest of all shakes either. I mean, he showed out in most places he played for and just never really was, was given the full go ad to just be the starter. You no, know, you no, know, didn't really get it in Buffalo uh, with his times with the chargers, you know, uh, I mean, everywhere, everywhere he's been, it's just kind of always been the bridge guy. And and we've always seen a little bit more from Terod Taylor than that. And I, I do like that comparison from Malik Willis. I think that, that would make the most sense. You know, he, he's got he's got the arm for the NFL. He, I think he can make all of the throws. What I saw in 2020, I would have taken him over Trey Lance last year in last year's draft had he declared. I think he he brings similar upside and has proven more. Obviously, again, 2021 was abysmal, but it'll be interesting to see where he goes to see what team is is willing to take that chance. And honestly, how high he goes, I think will really determine how much a team loves him. I don't really think the combine is going to change a whole lot uh, of anything for Malik Willis. Uh, I I think teams are probably either either set in stone on, on going up to get him or maybe trading back. If you're one of those top teams that doesn't have a quarterback right now, that maybe isn't really interested in getting Malik Willis in the top five or eight, but thinks, Hey, let's accumulate a little bit more and try to get him at 16 to 24, 25, somewhere in that range.
1: Now, we talked about uh, Malik Willis kind of being the modern day quarterback, the guy who is mobile, the guy who can move around in the pocket and scramble for yardage. The one quarterback in this draft that is kind of the antithesis, antithesis of that and is more kind of like the Matt Ryan, the Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, that type of quarterback is a guy who is probably one of, you know, everyone's favorite passers. It's just, is he able to move around in the pocket? Is he able to get any sort of yards on the ground? Something that he did not do at the college level. A player that I sneakily, I like Ritter and, Car- and Carson Strong as second round NFL quarterbacks and guys that you can get in the second round of Superflex drafts. But the analytics behind um, negative rushing yards for quarterbacks and for those that don't know, um, in college football... If you're sacked, that counts against rushing yards. And the NFL, if you're sacked, that counts against passing yards. So the reason why a player might have negative rushing yards on their slate, like Carson Strong had negative 208 rushing yards in 2021, would be because they're taking a ton of sacks for a ton of yardage. So a lot of the modern-day stats have shown that if you are in the negatives for your rushing yards, that you are more than likely going to be a bust and that you aren't suited for today's NFL. Um, Carson Wentz and Jared Goff are examples of guys that had uh, negative rushing yards in uh, in college. So, is is the negative rushing yards as you know an evolving statistic, something that worries you with Carson Strong, or do you think that's accounted for with you know his discount being a second round pick rather than you know a top 15 pick?
2: Well, I mean, it's definitely not positive, especially when you look at some of the comps of the Goffs, the Wences, you know, the, the awareness, pocket awareness is is huge for for any one of these guys. Um, and the lack of it, 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 especially playing at Nevada, you know, the, the lack of it in that conference against those teams, that's, that's a little worrisome. I, I do think he's got the again, kind of like Malik Willis. I think he has the arm for uh, for the NFL. It's it's getting him to a space that he can excel. You know, he's gonna probably gonna require a really strong line. Probably gonna require a team that has decent weapons. Uh, I could see someone like Cleveland taking a chance. You know, they're they're kind of in that in that area, maybe early to mid second round where. Yeah, they've got Baker and they are committed to Baker and they love Baker. But why not try to push Baker a little bit as well and and get someone that they can maybe develop uh, over over the next couple of years? I don't know how much longer they're going to commit that team that is seemingly ready to win to Baker Mayfield. Um, the the one fear I have is is that Carson Strong is just Jimmy Clausen. Uh, that that would be not great, you know. Geno Smith, obviously he he went uh, a little bit later in the draft as well. But there's there's some outliers in in this kind of realm. But for the most part, a uh, Carson Strong is a career backup, um, I would I would like to see uh, you know be proven wrong there and him to get a fair shake and for him to to really turn into something. But I, I just see him as just a below average guy. Uh, like a mid backup type, you're, you're like I said, Jimmy Clausen comes to mind almost instantly. So, so
1: Dan, you're not going to believe this. Um, so I put into the player, the bird Riz box score scout, um, his his height, which is 6'4, 215 pounds, and I projected him to go the 45th pick overall. Um, okay. so with him going the 45th pick, you know, essentially in the middle of the second round, his comp scores are 100. For Brandon Whedon, 90 oh, wow. for Geno Smith, 90 for Jimmy Clausen. So yeah. literally two, two of the guys you mentioned, if he goes in that early to mid-second round, he comps to those guys. But if you look a little bit uh, further down, you have Teddy Bridgewater at a 79 and Kirk Cousins at a 75. So, you know, pre the, the one thing that you have to kind of analyze with the box score scout is... If you don't put in the draft pick, I think it doesn't really tell you the whole story. So before the NFL draft, you kind of have to project where is this guy going to go. And then if a, if a guy who you project to go around pick forty five drops to eighty five, that's when you can say, oh, like let's check out. Okay, what's the difference between him going at pick forty five versus pick eighty five? And usually, that's a, pr- a pretty substantial difference.
2: Yeah, and that's actually funny that that um, Claussen is is highly uh, linked on that list. I I think he went right around pick 50, give or take. Um, you know, it it just, the, the career backup types, they, they all kind of fit into the same bubble and it's, I don't want to say it's obvious when you see them, but to me, uh, I think Carson Strong has an opportunity to maybe short, short short-term start kind of like Jimmy Clausen did. But, uh, I I just, I see a, a career backup there. All right,
1: let's move on to the running back position. We have Isaiah Spiller. Isaiah Spiller has been one of my guys for the last, you know, two or three years here. What are your thoughts on Spiller? Do you think he has the opportunity to possibly be the number one back in this class or do you think that's cemented by Brees Hall?
2: I don't think there's anything set in stone really for anything outside of wide receiver, at least for me personally in this class, I I think uh, running back is arguably more jumbled than, than quarterback. Um, I I like Isaiah Spiller. I I think he possibly the most dynamic of, of everyone. Uh, But truly, I think I see more of a pure runner, you know, kind of uh, along the lines of my love for Rashad Penny I share similarly for Isaiah Spiller. I, I think what he was able to do um, in the SEC playing he, tech, he was AM, right? Yeah. A M. Yeah. Um I I think that's hard to just look past. I, I feel like um, you know, not not really crazy, crazy numbers by any standard, but um Spiller's Spiller's one of those guys that I, I think if given the opportunity, definitely can be an early down back, but I, I genuinely believe he can, he can be a three down guy. Um, if they get him the work, you know, I don't really think he got the third down work at A&M. Uh, and if, well,
1: well if a- A&M has had very talent, a very talented backfield spillers entire true. time there, um, I'm, I'm blanking on the name, but there's a guy who I, I value pretty highly in Devi that was his backup and quote unquote third down back. Um, I'm uh, with a projection at 216 pounds and projecting him to go at the 60th pick overall on the road of his box score scout. His comps are there's three 100s, three near exact matches, and it's Cam Akers, Shane Vereen, and David Montgomery. Um, I think uh, Vereen seems like an odd, you know, comparison there, um, but Akers Montgomery, you know, 105, 106, like I would definitely be very happy with, with that valuation.
2: Yeah, I think you can draw a lot of lines there to to both Akers and Montgomery. Uh, hopefully, somebody can create a, a little uh, image to put on screen. You know, kind of like they did with David Montgomery, hands of of hands like feet, uh, athleticism of Saquon Barkley, uh, name of C.J. Spiller. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I I think I think he's got a lot to prove uh, on as as a pass catcher um i definitely think it's there but again we didn't we didn't really get to see it he he wasn't asked to do that like you said he was he had a lot of competition at a&m so it'd be an interesting one i i think none of these guys are i don't think there's an elite back i don't even think there's really a great back i think there's a bunch of good ones most of which will be probably destined for a committee type role uh you know spiller obviously would work really well with some form of like a Giovanni Bernard, somebody that's that excels in pass catching, and we know that they can do it. Whereas Spiller is is more of a two down guy, with, with that not necessarily doesn't have the ability, just lacks the chops of of receiving because he wasn't asked to do it.
1: All right. So outside of Brees Hall, outside of Spiller, we just hit on. Is there one running back that you need to talk to the trade Custis winners about?
2: Well, I think this one probably goes back. Uh, a couple of years now because he was essentially at the top of most everybody's list. I think Zamir white could potentially be the biggest riser from, you know, the, the end or middle of 2020 until today. Uh, you know, the, the, it was an injury, right? He had a, is an ACL.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he tore his ACL like three times in the last
2: like four years. And then got back on the field, but if there's any remnants of what you know the prospect Zamir White was coming out of high school and and early on, uh, you know Georgia, there was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of obviously a lot of Debbie picks spent on Zamir White being the the highly touted running back going to Georgia of all places. And we all know how the Georgia backs get get targeted, like in in Debbie. So I think Zamir White is is a very very interesting uh player here i think seeing or hearing medical comeback on zamir white will be very important and i'm guessing yeah. we'll see somebody that maybe like a late second or mid third or whatever it might be because you know who knows what what the uh, you know his health is at right now i would assume it's yeah. fine i mean i i don't
1: know my fear with, like, in terms of, like, a, any sort of pre-draft NFL – I mean, pre-NFL draft rookie drafts, I would be terrified of every single year, whether it's running back, linebacker, defensive end, defensive tackle, there's somebody who falls from, like, a guy that's, like, 34th overall on Mel Kuyper's big board to the sixth round, and we're all like, how has nobody picked this player yet? <laughs> and, like, Zamir White and his medical profile has that written all over, where, like, you know, from – the beginning of day three until the sixth round, we're like, when someone going to pick Zamir White? When someone going to pick Zamir White? When is someone going to pick Zamir White? And granted, that could end up paying dividends for that person that if he goes sixth round and is, ends up being healthy. But as we know, that draft capital has a high connection to what that opportunity is going to be. So I, I don't know how much opportunity is going to be with if if the medicals cause a drop in the draft.
2: Yeah. Uh, like you said, hopefully, hopefully medicals come back positive. I, I mean, anyone in the NFL can use a, a, a an Uber beast like Zamir way, you know, he, he runs through anything and everything. So um it'd be interesting to see it. I think he's his, his stock can either skyrocket or plummet based on medicals and, and what he's able to do at the combine. And some interesting, I, I know that, you know, part of like, you know, old
1: school Rotoviz wonders is is the Combine. But, you know, looking at his pre-combine, uh, you know, Rotoviz sim scores, I put in a projection uh listed at 216 pounds, a projection of the hundredth pick. So between the end of day two and beginning of day three. And there are some former Rotoviz wonders of uh Jonathan Williams of Arkansas, Niall Davis, Reichwell Armstead. So, you know, some guys that maybe have the athletic profile, but don't quite live up to snuff elsewhere.
2: There's a sneaky little Miles Sanders in there. Obviously those two aren't, aren't the same person even remotely, but it, you know, you could also look at somebody like Damian Harris, uh, mm-hmm. who, who was quite good in college, obviously didn't, didn't really do the same things that Zamir White did. Obviously, Zamir had the injury stuff, uh, but it, you know, you, you see these guys starting to excel and, and succeed, At the pro level. And I I think Zamir has the NFL traits. It's quite literally his health that's going to determine whether or not he's a potentially startable player.
1: And let's move on to hearing about ourselves. Roto Viz.
3: Hello there, Colm Kelly here, co-host of the Rotovis Overtime Podcast. I just want to take a moment to let you know, as a loyal Rotovis Podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Rotovis of NFL pass. All you have to do is head on over to rodoviz.com, add the subscription to your basket, and add the promo code RVRADIO2022 at checkout. That'll get you 10% off, it'll get you access to all of our content and tools, and of course set you up for success in all your 2022 fantasy football rosters. That code is RV Radio 2022 I hope you enjoy the podcast. We're driven by
0: the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: All right, let's move on to the wide receiver position. We're not going to hit the tight ends or sleepers quite yet to, uh, today. But um, we're going to talk about – we'll start off with one of my favorite wide receivers from a Debbie perspective, the man who overshadowed Rondale Moore at times at Purdue University, a man who I like. – I've weirdly seen some like connections to the Bucks drafting a wide receiver early, if they let Chris Godwin walk, obviously – I would not mind Chris uh, David Bell joining the wide receiver core with Mike Evans at uh, at in Tampa or anywhere on in the second round in the NFL draft at all. I think that David Bell is poised to be a huge value in the NFL draft and in rookie drafts if he falls, you know, in rookie drafts to like that nine to twelve range.
2: Yeah, um, again, another guy, you know, like we talked about, was Amir White that was pretty highly regarded for kind of a short period of time, David Bell was. Uh, obviously, we've had some pretty crazy wide receiver classes over, you know, over the last few. But you know, looking back, I mean, you can you can draw some some comparisons. Uh, you could get him into maybe like the Calvin Ridley type realm. Uh, you know, you, you could see him as high as the end of the first round, but I do think mid two is probably more likely for David Bell. Um, I, I, I don't know that I necessarily have him as like a top tier wide receiver, but I I just, I do think that he's pro ready. I, I don't think he's, I don't think really think there's a lot of work that goes into getting David Bell to produce. Um, yeah, and he's cer- he's certainly,
1: and obviously, I'm talking to somebody who is a fan of David Bell, but I I think that if you're looking at the wide receivers in this class, and you're like, I need to walk away with this draft from this draft with a guy who's going to be an NFL wide receiver two for the next ten years, and yeah. I think I think you're picking David Bell to lock in to be that guy. He might not have like the upside of you know uh, Justin Jefferson, but he's going to give you you know the floor of a Torrey
2: Smith. Is this why you loved? Uh, um... Tyler Boyd so much. Yeah, I mean, That's why you love David Bell. David Tyler Bell Boyd.
1: and Tyler Boyd are like the same person. You know? <laughs> so, you know, I, I will take those low upside wide receivers every day of the week for whatever reason.
2: Yeah, and I mean, I love Jarvis, Jarvis Landry, so, you know, you can throw everybody in the same bucket.
1: And so looking at his bucket, if we project him to go here, I'm will drop it a little bit. I'm gonna drop him to pick forty-five and we'll see what, what the the old Rotoviz uh box score scout spits out. But it'll probably be the likes of Tory Smith. Yep, Tory Smith, DJ Chark, Christian Kirk, Justin Hunter, Mike Wallace. So pretty good company there, moving down the line a little bit. Uh Chris Godwin, and then of course, uh, we're on the Rotoviz, so we're obligated to say Stephen Hill. So um,
2: yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. What? Okay. Um <laughs> Yeah, I I think he's going to be a good pro. Again, I I don't think he's at the top of this class, but uh, much much higher floor than some of these guys.
1: So, it, is Traylon Burks is he the guy if you want the the home run swing? Also, maybe possibly having you know a floor of his of his own. Not saying not not talking about floor, more so like if you're looking for a Justin Jefferson type hit or a Jamar Chase type hit, and I'm and. More likely than not, you're not gonna be not gonna be investing a top five pick or wide receiver in this draft. But if you're taking that huge swing, who are you taking it on right now?
2: Well, it's definitely Traylon Burks. Um, I I think he provides the most you know, what what we look for in that in that true alpha wide receiver, I think he provides the most check marks on the list of things that you want your wide receivers to be able to do. You know, a lot of people have really been chasing after like a Drake London. He to me is like, if Mike Evans couldn't separate kind of thing, I just, I see Traylon Burks as, as really the guy, I, you know, I see kind of like a CD lamb. I, you know, there's, there's some comparisons. I know some people have been drawing lines to like AJ Brown with, with a little more pep in his step. So I, I, I love Traylon Burks. I definitely think he's the wide receiver one in this, in this, uh, class. And to be honest with you right now, I would very happily lock him in as, as one Oh one in, in any format, any league, uh, you know, there's, there's not really any quarterbacks here that are going to be contesting him. The only other guys that really might contest him is if somebody makes a mistake and drafts running back early, or if somebody drafts one of the either Alabama or Ohio State wide receivers too high.
1: Yeah, and the Rotoviz box score out, which it, it to be honest, it doesn't really account for obviously like body frame and, and things of that nature. Um, but just putting in projecting him to go pick thirty-two, weighing in at two hundred twenty-five pounds, he's kind of got this list of like longer, lanky type guys. We have Nikhil Harry, Kenny Britt, Jordy Nelson, Allen Robinson, Jonathan Baldwin, Hakeem Nix, Alshon Jeffrey. So you know, kind of got some some beef, but also you know some lankiness with that grouping um are there names that concern you with those comparisons um or you know you take the good take the bad and there you have the facts of life
2: based on that list nathan i, I would say we're due for an outlier <laughs> <laughs> and chasing outliers is never a good process so don't like take that to you know well no oh, they're taking good- it to the bank
1: no, but there's good names. Like, Bray had a decent career. Jordy Nelson had a great career. A-Rob has had an up-and-down career. Like, there's, right. there's there's definitely skill
2: on that list. Um, I, I fear I fear a Michael Floyd-type plummet. I I, I think Burks could end up being a top 15, 16, maybe 18 pick, um, depending on kind of what he does here. I know a lot of teams have kind of already made their boards and aren't really overly concerned with the combine, but... Uh, I I genuinely see him as the true alpha in this class.
1: All righty, that should wrap us up for this evening. We will see you guys next week. Any last words,
2: Dan? No, I look forward to some post-Combine stuff next week, and uh, hopefully we, we get some fun information and we get some some of these guys that are going to start skyrocketing up people's boards that end up going in the sixth round. I can't wait for it.
1: Alrighty, that should wrap us up for this evening. We'll talk to you guys next week.